Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. The reason we confess that is because you, if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, you get what you say. And the Lord works. He is the high priest of our confession. And so you're saying, even before we go further and read one verse or talk about one truth, you're saying, uh, I'm being fed. My faith is growing stronger. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm developing. And that sets you immediately in motion. Spiritual uh, laws are real. Just like the law of gravity, I mean, you, you set things in motion, and if they're not interrupted, they produce that result, and it is dependable, it is repeatable uh, performance. It, it's a law. These things work. The law of faith, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death. Thank God we've been delivered from that because of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So Father, all of us agree together today as touching these things. Show us more of your ways and we purpose to draw near to you and to seek to please you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been studying in Hebrews 3 and other places uh, talking about overcoming unbelief. It is a thief a robber of the blessings of God and the plan of God. We see in Hebrews 3, he describes how that first generation that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage, they were robbed of the promised land. They were robbed of basically a whole way of life that would have been enjoyable, would have been productive and fruitful. Instead of that, they got dry, bleak, Hopeless in the desert, circling for 40 years until you got old and weak and died. Well, there are people, there are a lot of people on the planet, who are adamant that everything that happens is God. Because he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's in control. And so that means everything that happened, he was in control of. If it didn't happen, it wasn't his will. If it happened, it was somehow his will. Even if it was terrible, it was somehow his unknowable will. But that's not what this book teaches. That's not what the Bible reveals at all. It was God's will for them to go into the promised land. And they never did. It was not his will. For them to wander around 40 years, hopeless, desperate, without vision, despondent, depressed, defeated, 
neither is it his will for anybody to live that way today. No one. No one is pleasing God by living a defeated, failed life. Don't say it's, well, you know, God's in control. He's not controlling that. He's not controlling what everybody does. That would mean you're an automaton. You have no will of your own. It's not true. I said it's not true. And since we have a free will, you can choose to do something contrary to the will of God. You can disobey, sadly, most of the planet has. That's what they've done. Reject God, uh, rebel against God. But we believers, that's not us. We're in the world, but we're not of this unbelieving, ungodly world. Somebody said out loud, I am a believer. I am a believer. And I choose to obey God. That's what he had said. He said, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He's cautioning, saying, don't do that. Don't let this happen to you. Go back to Numbers 16. Let's continue in our study of um, these events of unbelief, these major times when they chose to to disobey. And boy, this is an obvious one here in number 16. We call it Korah's rebellion because he's the one that led it. But this is an example of gross unbelief. We talked about a couple of classes ago that uh, there's an unbelief that's the product of ignorance. But that's not what this is. They have seen miracles and they've experienced Miracles and signs and wonders and over and over God's spectacular deliverance. And, and still, every time there's an issue or problem, they just panic. They just uh, talk death and defeat. And they say, we got to go back to Egypt. We can't do this. We'll never make it. We'll never go in. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get it. Yes. Do you hear the language of faith and unbelief? It really is uh, that simple to see it. They said, we can't. We can't. What did Joshua and Caleb said? We can. We can. They said, there's no way. Joshua and Caleb said, God's with us. We can do it. That's exactly what unbelief and faith sound like today. Exactly the same. Have you ever talked unbelief? Have you ever said, I don't, we just can't. There's no way. Don't raise your hand. Huh? <laughs> well, should you keep doing that? Especially when you've been to faith school and you know better, right? Uh-uh. No, no. Should you, even though you feel pressure, even though you feel weak, even though it's pretty rough and you don't know how in the world you could get through this, Can you make a decision to look up and say, no, no, God's got me through things before. Is that right? And he will do it again. I call him faithful. Faithful. He is the faithful God. You know, the Bible said that's how Sarah conceived seed when she was past age. Well, this is a miracle. This is absolute 
miracles, amazing things had to happen biologically in the body, healing, restoration, quicker, turning back the clock, if you will. But to God, he made the body. He made the clock. He made the time. Is that right? Don't tell him it can't be done. He made it. You know, he made the, the sundial go backwards one time. You remember that? Uh, don't, don't tell him it can't be done. And since you're his child and you're hooked with him, why should you be talking about stuff that can't be done? All things are possible with him and all things are possible to them that believe. Are you a believer? Yes. You're a believer. Well, Korah was not. And Dathan and Abiram and those guys in the 250 that, that joined the rebellion, faith looks forward. Faith steps forward to advance. Unbelief looks back. To go back, to go down. They're talking about, we, we need a new leadership. We need a new captain to take us back to Egypt. They had said those very words in Numbers 14. Let's get us a new captain. Go back to Egypt. That's back to slavery. Back to bondage. After all God did, what did it take to get them out of there? Astounding signs and wonders. Manifestations of power that nobody had ever heard about before. That's what it took to get them out. And they are so unthankful and so blinded that they go, well, that was all for nothing. You know, we should have just stayed there and never left. Let's go. Let's go. Do you know the enemy will always try to get you to go back? Go back to sin. Go back to habits. Go back to bondage you were delivered from. You were set free from. He'll always do it. He'll always do it. But you're foolish if you do. Because God doesn't tell you not to do things because he wants to spoil your fun. There's death in it. There's destruction in it. It'll steal from you. It'll destroy things. No, beside that, that's acting like there's nothing to look forward to. In the plan of God, the better things are ahead. They're not behind. With, with God, the path gets brighter and brighter until the full day sun, until it, you, you just grow and you see good things and you see greater things and you're a part of bigger things. And then one day you blast out of here and go to be with the Lord. Woo! They don't even looking back. Don't look back. Stop looking back. Look ahead. Don't talk about the good old days. It's amazing how people romanticize that anyway. Oh, it was so good back then. Yeah, we had to share a can of beans and that was fun. No, quit romanticizing the past. And a lot of times people forget. You know, that's what they said. They said, oh, we had watermelon. We had garlic. We just sat by the flesh pots. Yeah, until your 10-minute break was over and you had to go back in the field and work like a mule. <laughs> You are forgetting some pretty important stuff here. Right? <laughs> no, they should have been thankful. And they should not have been trying to replace the one who had interceded for them repeatedly and spared them from destruction. We saw on yesterday's class that God is a God who is ready to forgive plenteous in mercy 
to all them that call on him. And what you see, go back to the uh, Numbers 14, if you will, uh, and see why they were even still alive to be instigating this rebellion. Had it not been for Moses, they would have already been dead, destroyed. Listen to the scripture along that line. Uh, you're holding your place there in Numbers 14, but uh, Psalm 106.23 says this, Therefore he said that he would destroy them. Now we're about to read uh, the verse that he's uh, specifically talking about in Numbers 14. Had not Moses his chosen, now see, they were challenging that very idea that he was God's chosen. In number 16 there, they were saying, we're all holy. And why do you make yourself a prince? In other words, who put you in charge? Well, what's the answer to that question? Who chose him? God in a burning bush. Is that right? Yes. Chose him. And he didn't even want to go. And the Lord had to be insistent with him about it. He actually irritated the Lord, saying, well, I, I don't need to go get somebody else I'm, I'm not a good speaker and I'm a wanted man over there and all of that. He said, uh, who made man's mouth? He said, and, and, and your brother's coming. He can go with you. He can help you. And so it was like, like Moses said there in number 16, it was not my idea. But he was God's chosen. But one of the big things he did for the people is he interceded for them repeatedly resulting in them being spared from judgment. This is something we need to know more about because God has allowed this and permitted this all through the Word of God and it is still available today to people who know God to be able to intercede for others who are in danger of being judged. Now notice he said, he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he should destroy them. This is, uh, this is not them repenting. And yet they were spared and given more time to come to the realization and more time and space to repent. Go to Numbers 14 and look there about verse 11. Numbers 14, 11. When the, the 12 spies returned from searching out the land and 10 of them brought back an evil report, the scripture said. They said, yeah, it's a good land. It's got a lot of fruit. and But really, it's an evil land that will eat you up and destroy you. And the scripture said they slandered the land. That, that uh, was very displeasing to God. It angered him. And they said, we can't do it. And that's when they said, if you look at the one of the first verses here, verse 4 of chapter 14, that's when they said to one another, let's make us a captain and return to Egypt. And verse uh, 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere or before they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. This is a, leg a very legitimate question, isn't it? I mean, uh, they saw 
all the ten signs and wonders in Egypt. They saw after that the splitting of the Red Sea. After that, the, the making of the bitter waters sweet. The manna falling out of the sky. Uh, fresh quail flown in without an airplane. I mean, water out of the rock. Uh, and what, he, what God is saying, how many things do they have to see? And how long would it be before somebody would look up and go, you know, I think God can do this. And the answer was, with that group, it would never be enough. And this is something for us to understand today. There are a lot of people, sadly, that it, it doesn't matter how many miracles they see or hear of. It doesn't matter how many times God moves and does things. It, that alone won't make you a believer. You still got to choose whether you believe and trust or not. And you can just be an unbeliever for no rational reason. You can just say, well, I just don't know about all that. And well, what does it take to convince you? Well, if I saw that and if I heard this, it's not true. It's not true. They can still rationalize, explain away. That's what God was saying. How long? And he said, he knew it's never going to be enough. So he said, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. Would that be unfair? Y'all are quiet. It's God we're talking about here, okay? So you really don't have to think a long time about it. Now see, we're human beings, so we tend to kind of think, well, you know, let's give him another shot. Let's give him another chance. Why? That's what he just got through saying. How many more shots will work? How many more opportunities? And the truth is, God knows we don't know that, but God knows there, there comes a point where they're never going to change. Never going to change. We don't know that, so we, we are not qualified to judge. But uh, he, this has happened more than once with the flood. Almost the entire human population was wiped out. Almost, except for eight people. Think about it. There was a time, after, long after creation, there were only eight human beings on the whole planet. And the only reason that that happened is because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He, he was an upright and a good man. Uh, somebody ought to say, thank you, Noah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> for being there for represent, you know, <laughs> representing humanity. Elsewise, we wouldn't be here talking about any of this. Now, if you, if you uh, look at that and go, man, it just, you know, God's kind of harsh with that. No, God is fair. There's no excuse for the world, you know, out of hand rejecting their creator. And just going full tilt into violence 24 hours a day and killing and stealing and destroying. There's no excuse for that. And God gave them centuries and centuries and centuries to figure it out and get a clue. And he finally said, that's it. That is, that's it. 
I, I repent that I made them. And he's ready to just start over with something else, which gives you a clue of what has happened in the past. And he can do it. And he can do things more than one way. How many think we ought to have reverence huh? and godly fear for this being called the Creator God, Father God? And it is ridiculous to try to challenge him and go, well, I don't think that's right. Well, I don't think that's fair. Well, you hardly know enough to get out of bed. <laughs> what do you mean? You've been alive how long? What do you know? God is the ancient of days. He knows the end from the beginning. You talk about somebody who has seen it all, heard it all, it's him. And so when he does something, don't you dare think it's not right or it's not fair or it's not just. When you see the bigger picture, you'd go, wow, God, I would have never asked you to be that long-suffering or that patient. And so he said, you know, he, he, he's had it with them. He says, I'll smite them with the pestilence. It'll be quick and they'll all be gone. And I'll start over with you, Moses. I can work with you. And he's talking about, he's talking about from one man back to a couple of million people. And if it takes 500 years, that's not a problem. Not a problem then. And he said, uh, I'll make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. And if nobody had asked for mercy, that's how it would have ended. Wow. Class, are y'all there? Yes, sir. Huh? The, you know, because God's not a man that he should change. He wasn't wrong when he said this. And they're not going to repent. <laughs> so they're not going to get any mercy. They're not even going to ask for it. But Moses said, verse 13, come on, look at this. Look at a, a godly, humble intercessor in action. He said, Lord, the Egyptians will hear about it because you brought this people in your might from among them and they'll tell it to the inhabitants of the land, they've heard that you, Lord, are among this people and that you are seen face to face. Your cloud stands over them and you go before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill all this people as one man, the nations which have heard the fame of you, they'll, they'll talk and they'll say, you know, it's because the Lord wasn't able to bring the people into the land. And that's why he's killed them all in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great. According as you have spoken, saying, he said, you remember you told me, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children in the third and fourth generation. But verse 19, he says, pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according to your, the greatness of your mercy, as you have forgiven this people from Egypt, even till now. He said, you, you've done it before. You've done it repeatedly ever since we left Egypt. Pardon them. Verse 20, and the Lord said, I'm not going to do it. 
No, I am fed up with them. No, no, no further discussion needed. No extreme begging and pleading. No cutting yourself and running around doing something stupid. He just said, Lord, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. You, you got them out. You got them this far. And I think it's going to be a bad witness. <laughs> They'll die and, and people know that you're with us. They heard about it. They see the fire in the cloud. He said, would you pardon them? I know they, they have been absolutely stupid. They're bugging me too, but would you, would you pardon them according to your great mercies? Just like you spoke, you know, Moses had said, Lord, show me your glory. And, and, and the Lord said, you can't see my face. He knew that's what he wanted to see. He said, you can't see my face and live. He said, but God's accommodating, isn't he? He said, We're talking about the creator. He said, but there's a place and I can put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by and you won't see my face, but you can see my, my back parts and you can see the glory there. And so he did. What kind of experience must this have been? You know, and then when God came by, he proclaimed the, listen to what Moses asked to see. He wanted to see the glory. He said, show me your glory. And what God proclaimed to him was his goodness. The, the goodness of God is the glory of God. When you're seeing the glory cloud and the fire, that is manifested, not just power, manifested goodness. Oh, hallelujah. Tangible, experiential goodness. That's who he is to his core, to his being. That's who and what he is. And so he, he said, the Lord's long-suffering, forgiving, and, and merciful. And so Moses brought that back up to him. He said, when you passed in front of me, you said, long-suffering, merciful. He said, so please, pardon this people. And I mean, immediately, God said, I have pardoned. Woo! Oh, glory to God. Isn't that exactly what we saw in yesterday's class in Psalm 86? The Lord is ready. Even though they deserved punishment, they deserved being wiped off the map. They deserved it. Just like Korah and his crowd, they deserved exactly what they got. Earth opening up, them plunging down, that's exactly what they deserve. Judgment, righteous judgment with no mercy. Oh, but friend, if you know anything about God, you know no matter what kind of shape you get yourself in or how far it's gone, He's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's ready to forgive. Just ask Him. Just say, please, God, have mercy on me. And immediately that mercy will come. That mercy will come. That's why He sent Jesus, so He would have a righteous right. He would be justified in receiving people and blessing them even though they had sinned if they would repent. It was all about giving us that option of mercy. Aren't you glad you have acted on that and called on him 
and taken advantage. Hallelujah. His mercy endures forever. Well, our time's up again today. Come back tomorrow. There's always so much more to see about the goodness and mercy of God. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702 7390.